And the person interviewing me wrote those words down, looked up from his piece of paper and said to me, so do you think we're going to like that? Yeah, I, I do what I do today, Kathy, because of a fourth grade field trip. No credit to me, just me fumbling along with what I knew at the time and the dog being very forgiving of my mistakes. Choice. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, especially as it refers to the choices people make, to the choices I make, and how I respond to things that happen in life. I've been talking about this a lot over the last couple of months here on the podcast, as you know. Things like acceptance, surrender. So here's the thing, those are byproducts. They're the things that come after I've made a choice. I recently picked up the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. It's powerful, as books that deal with experiences of the Holocaust tend to be. And it's very much about choice. The choice to come to know that no matter what the world serves up, no matter how out of control our lives may become, we always have the power of choice in how we respond. But what really landed this message on choice for me this week was actually a debate in a group of dog trainers. So, take a seat, grab a snack. I'm Kathy Brooks, and this is Talk Unleashed. Ah, dog videos. So there's a dog training company in Las Vegas that posts these incredibly impressive videos. A lot of them are shot at their facility, but they also go out to these super iconic spots around the Las Vegas Strip, kind of showing off what appear to be meticulously trained dogs. It's an intense series of exercises, healing, reversing, directing in between the legs. It's very impressive. except it's smoke and mirrors. When you examine the videos closely, you see that the pattern in all of the videos is precisely the same. Same order, same exercises, regardless of location. What's also visible are remote training collars, and most of the dogs are in a very clear state of over-arousal, over-excitement. Now, to be clear, I don't have an issue with remote training collars. And this commentary is not about specific tools or techniques for dog training. It is, however, about the power of choice. Sure, the videos look good. But as far as a stable education that leads to long-term balanced behavior and well-mannered dogs, not so much. These dogs are hardwired on operant conditioning. These dogs aren't thinking. They're reacting. And they're reacting in a lot of cases to the incorrect application of an aversive. Again, to be clear, appropriately applied aversive methods have a place in my book. It's about using the appropriate tool for the appropriate task in the appropriate way. And always using the lowest level of force possible to achieve the desired result. The truth is that a balanced trainer like myself spends far more time praising and rewarding dogs to reinforce good behavior than we do correcting. And that's because the energy is focused 
on giving the dog the gift of making a choice. It's a process that involves, first of all, making sure that the dog is really clear on what's being asked. All these words that just drop out of our mouths don't mean anything to a dog. Nothing, zip, zilch, at least not until I've assigned a meaning to that word, that sound. I'll give you an example. Probably the easiest one is the word sit. So you've got a puppy and you take a treat and you get the puppy's attention and you say sit and you draw the puppy's attention upward and you guide its butt to the ground. Sit, mark the behavior with a reward. After a time, the dog hears sit and knows that it means to plant its butt on the floor. Now, when it's taught, how it's taught, it's a matter of technique and taste. But let's assume for sake of argument, we're now talking about a year-old dog that's well aware of what the word sit means. You say the word, and the dog's butt doesn't move. Or maybe the dog paused, like a good long beat, and then slowly sends its tush to the ground. Or maybe the dog plants its butt on the word sit, and barely a second later pops right back up. So what does all this mean? Well, it means that the dog is showing a disregard for the human's authority. Now let's clarify again here, because in a human sense, when a human is willfully ignoring another human's directive, there's an intention behind it. There's a little fuck you to the whole thing. That's not what's happening with your dog. Your dog is not doing the canine equivalent of extending its middle finger at you. It's a signal. It's a, do I have to listen to you? I'm not sure I want to listen to you. How are the rules enforced? Maybe the rules aren't enforced. What's really going on here? The former is an application of human psychology. Because again, if it were a human, it would mean willful disregard. For a dog, the understanding of the world is very simple. Their structural hierarchy is very matter-of-fact. Relationships have a sense, a clear sense, of place and order. Now, where things get complicated is where humans get involved. Now, let's go back to the dog here. While the domesticated pup is far off the mark from its ancestor, the wolf, they are still canids. They live, exist in groups. Those groups have hierarchy, order, roles, responsibilities, and, most importantly, leadership. They also have boundaries and rules, along with consequences for breaking either. The very idea that the domesticated canine should be given free range and full agency to make decisions makes no more sense than it does to drop a two-year-old off in New York's Times Square with a credit card and say, go ahead, kid, have fun for the day. When I hear someone say, oh, well, my dog gets to be free and make all sorts of decisions, but why is my dog pulling on the leash and dragging me down the sidewalk? Why is my dog countersurfing? Why won't my dog stay when I tell them to? My dogs get to make choices. It's just that there's only one choice that they get to make that's acceptable, and that's the one that I've deemed appropriate. They sit when and where I say. They come when I call. They don't get on furniture unless they're invited, and then they get to sit where I've designated they get to sit. They don't get to jump on people or pull on the leash. 
and they drop things when I say so. My dogs don't live in a democracy. There's no group think. There's no consensus. It's not the way the relationship was designed. By having this structure and clear boundaries and understanding, we get to have a fabulous life together. So how does this apply to people? Well, there's this dog training group that I belong to, and they're largely positive reinforcement based. This means, you know, in the group, there's an agreement, no images that show choke chains or pinch collars or other aversive techniques. They don't believe in aversive corrections whatsoever. And I'm in the group as a balanced trainer because the they're just, they're a great group of people. They really believe in the well-being of dogs. And you know what? I've learned an enormous amount from them. And I like to think that by my presence being in the group, they can learn from me as well. So one of the other trainers, a woman, was talking about doing some choice exercises with her dog in training and what did, what role did choice play. And so I engaged in conversation with her Now, we clearly disagreed in terms of methodology, but as we made our way through what was a very respectful dialogue, we found that we ultimately agreed that the choices she was talking about letting the dog make were ones that were pretty innocuous. It was things like, you know, which cup is some food under, getting to make a choice about that. It's about which toy do you want to play with? Which dog do you want to engage? What we agreed on that when we say things like come, down, heel, off, leave it, those aren't requests. And the dog is expected to comply. And it's not about control. It's not about ego. It's about the dog's safety. Now, our methods may vary about how we get the dog there, But it actually turns out that they don't vary as much as you would think. And the reason I bring it up is that I got a a message from a friend afterwards who's in the group who has, she's more positive reinforcement than balanced, but she's done a lot of work with feral animals and, and a lot of work in rescue. And there are times where corrective measure is necessary. And she was asking how I was able to keep my cool in the discussion when this other woman, in her words, was so obviously wrong. It was in that moment that I realized. Choice. In joining the group, I made a choice that I was going to release judgment, that I was going to be open-minded, and I was going to be curious about how others did their work, and that I'd approach all of the discussions in that way. And no point in my conversation with this other woman did it ever occur to me to be snarky or patronizing or anything like that. I had a choice. So in my leadership PhD course, we were given a a kind of a reading list. And there was one book in the group that I, I had always wanted to read it, but I had, I had been putting it off. It's a very intense book. It's Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And, um, as books, uh, that relate to experiences of the Holocaust tend to be, it's very intense. Um, and very powerful. And what's interesting in the, the preface to the book as it came out in 1992, Frankel said that he didn't think that the fact it was a bestseller was an achievement, that it was actually an expression of misery in our time, that, that, 
this question, this burning question of the meaning of life is just burning for people that it, it should be so popular to read. But it actually was something in the foreword to the book that has been resonating with me. The foreword is written by um, Harold Kushner. He's a rabbi from a congregation on the East Coast, Rabbi Emeritus. And there's something that he says here, that forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond in the situation. My freedom to choose. In our society today, it, and I don't know that it is any different today than it has been historically for man, except perhaps the megaphone through which information is shouted is so much bigger and the drumbeat of information seems to be so incessant and the level of toxicity, of anger, of vitriol seems to be at such a height, perhaps a height that we haven't seen since the experiences that Viktor Frankl had in World War II. But what's interesting to me is the choices that people are making about how they respond to everything. And that it occurs to me that when I think about how I guide the choices that my dogs make, that the choices are very simple. Am I in support of the group or am I in contrast to the group? Am I following leadership or not? Am I being respectful? Am I holding my own space? And I'm aware you can't draw a direct analogy between dogs and humans because dogs are dogs and humans are humans. There are lessons, though, of honesty and communication, of connection and communication. And that's really what it comes down to when I realize the choice that I make in response comes from a place of me being grounded, that I can't make a clear choice unless first I am very clear on my internal choice. That when it comes to making a choice and how I respond to something outside of myself, unless I have first made the choice about where that message lands inside me, I can't make a choice. I'm acting from ego and from fear rather than from who I really am. Thanks for stopping by. If it's your first time, glad you joined us. If you've been here before and you're back for more, splendid. Glad to have you. Either way, make sure you don't miss out on any of the great conversations we have coming up on Talk Unleashed, or the ones we've already had for that matter. Hit up your favorite podcast player and subscribe. While you're at it, leave a review. It helps other folks find the show. Because it takes a village. Speaking of which, Talk Unleashed happens because there is a village. John and Don McLean, Evelyn Coda, and the amazing team at Monster Sound and Picture. Thanks, guys. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. I look forward to having you back next week for another episode of Talk Unleashed. Unleashed.